the most ideal um, lease purchase programs. And typically they're the ones that are going to have the escrow accounts for miscellaneous uh, um, issues that come and arise. A maintenance account that you can pull from at will to buy tires, oil changes, services, PMs, you know, the things that are going to be needed on a regular basis. Oh my God, I must have fell asleep because of so many boring videos out there. But not this one because it's just truck it with Sean and Silla. Today we have a special guest, Dave McBride, who's going to bless us with his presence. We're going to talk about everything from recruiting to lease purchase, owner operator, because he's done it all. He's been in the industry for over 26 years. He's helped many companies develop programs in the recruiting department and other kind of ways in the owner operator lease purchase programs to help them grow. Uh, he's a valued asset in the trucking industry. I want to thank him for coming on board and blessing us, like I said, with his presence. Let's get this ball rolling. Here we go. Hey, everybody. David McBride, the executive vice president of LaserSpot, the world's largest yard management company, here for all of your spotting and shuttling needs. All right, all right. Well, so excited to have you, David. So tell us how you got into the industry and how long have you been in this trucking industry? Oh, it's, it's, that's an easy one. I was born in it. Uh, I grew up with a, an entire family that was in trucking uh, going back into the 19, early 40s. And uh, I, I absolutely said growing up that as soon as I was old enough to get away from there, I would never go near another big truck again in my life. And now, 26 years later in the industry, you know, having a very successful career, loving what I do, love the men and women out here doing this, and especially coming on and doing things like this to talk about my love of the industry. So yeah, 26 years. Wow, wow, wow. That's a, that's a lot. That's a lot of time and a lot of experience. There's a lot of, a lot of beating. A lot hey, of beating. Knocks a lot of yeah, hard knocks uh, <laughs> teaches you a lot more than uh, sometimes those books can, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, growing in, you know, the trucking industry, like you said, you've grown up in it. Um, it is something that you've consistently been involved with is uh, kind of growing companies themselves as well with drivers and everything like that. So what are some ways or areas that you've been able to achieve this growing companies? Because pretty much, you know, you go back to your first company that you worked at to the many others on down the line. No, I have. I mean, you've you've seen my my career layout right in front of you, Sean, and you've seen that uh, I've been I've been very successful at uh, growing uh, trucking companies organically. You know, from uh, from a hiring standpoint, how do you how do you hire more? How do you hire better? How do you produce what uh, what they've never seen before? You know, if you're used to hiring X and you can take them to Y then you know you've, you've done the right thing you know how i how i do it is simple it's about teamwork about building the right team getting the right people um getting you know a, a trust system where you believe in each other you you how i say this you have each other's back and you constantly drive forward so growing uh, growing a company really isn't that simple if you you know if you use the basic box and tackling of how to how to do it but so many companies, they, they've hit this glass ceiling where they feel like they, they just can't quite get there. Then they hire somebody crazy like me and I come in and we blow that out of the water. Yeah, yeah. That's one thing, that, uh, you know, and, and for, for those that don't know, we went to the, you know, we've had crazy careers, both of us in different kind of areas. 
in the industry, but we went to high school together at the same high school. We grew up in the same area, even though we've branched out a different complete, you know, sideways. But um, it, watching you come in to a company, you've changed culture, right? And uh, one of those things you've always said, if that's how we've always done it, <laughs> go ahead with that one. That's that's done. Because yeah. again, you know, one one phrase that uh, I know you've heard me say a million times, but it's one of my favorites. If it's not broke, break it. Because anybody that accepts that it's not broken means that they're not willing to look ahead of what the next step is. And that's where I come in and I say, okay, this looks good, but it's a foundation. So start with the basics, go after the culture. You know, again, a culture that loves what they do. You know, again, like I've got some of the best managers, recruiters, director in the industry that they, they don't only just think it, they believe it. They believe that it's possible. And to take a, a company like uh, currently taking a company from uh, 30 hires a week to now 556 hires, I think, in uh, January. I mean, completely different change of course, a whole new culture, which produces a whole different company. So that's that's how you do it is, again, it's about loving your people. And when they do right, love them. When they do wrong, love them more and coach and get everybody on the same page. Absolutely. That's amazing. You know, uh, one of the areas that I've seen and, and you know, I know this is not where you're at right now. Where you're at right now is, is uh, uh, we'll talk about later, is, is a great spot for you. Get it spot. Um, but going back to some of your other previous, even the first company, you had a lot to do with owner operators and lease purchase programs, you know? And we have a lot of students, a lot of drivers that have, are out there experienced that are thinking about owner operator do i want to become one do i want to become a do a lease purchase program and, and things like that but first before you know ask any of these harder questions tell us about the programs that you've created and what kind of achievements you've had in these you uh well you've you've seen the you've seen that happen also um going through you know a few different companies developing their their owner operator program their contractor program and, and specifically their lease purchase program it's, it's about building a concept around somebody that wants to run their own business, but maybe at the time doesn't have the, the financial wherewithal to, to step in and write a $20,000 check just for a down payment to get in the door. Lease purchase programs have always been kind of my bread and butter on how to develop one that is highly successful for the company and highly successful for the, for the driver that's wanting to be the business owner. You, you saw me for a lot of years come out to, to schools and, and walk in and talk to students and say, why don't you guys want to come in and be a lease purchase operator? And probably for the first uh, six months, every uh, just about every school out there kind of laughed and said, there is no way. Why would you ever want to go and do this? And why would somebody want to do this? And I said, because a lot of the men and women that you've got in school today were previous business owners. They weren't employees. And how can we adapt that from that into this new, you know, into this new age of what we're trying to do? And some of the, the most successful guys that we've brought in were straight out of school that walked in, leased a truck, ended up leasing two or three trucks and some that ended up converting over to starting their own small fleets. So it is, it's an amazing way to develop what you're wanting to get out of life. And, and I say that meaning that there's, there's upside and downside upside. If you're, if you are self-motivated and business-minded, then yes, this is an absolutely phenomenal opportunity to come in literally with almost no risk, 
no money down and get a truck. And again, there's a lot of different programs out there, um, especially the ones that I helped create. They're absolutely amazing. But the the rest of them, you know, it's just about reading on making sure that it is something that you're going to be able to walk in, get to get a fair deal, get a good pay rate and get on the road to do it. The downside, you know, in all the years I've, I've done this, I've walked into hundreds and hundreds of orientation classes and I would ask the question. So who's the best driver in the room? And 100% raise their hand. Not one person have I ever said, okay, who is the most below average driver in this room? Nobody ever raised their hand for that. So the downside is being real with yourself. Are you a business owner? Are you, you know, are you dedicated enough to want to make that leap? Even though there's minimal to no risk in, in a program like that, it's still your income. It's still your livelihood. And again, you're putting yourself or potentially your your family's uh, well-being in jeopardy if all you're going to do is use your ability to pick and choose your own loads to choose nothing. So that's the good and the bad. Yeah. And so what achievements have you had in creating these types of programs? What, what kind of achievements? Yeah. Because uh, as I've seen firsthand, you've walked in, created a program and then uh, and taken it to certain levels. Yep. Well, I mean, one one company that you, you saw early, early on was a company that was previously 100 percent company drivers. And they had this, this new idea that they wanted it. And they knew that I was somebody that had been doing this for quite a while and came in and added roughly 500, 550 lease purchase uh, drivers to the fleet and roughly another 200 uh, independent owner operators. Uh, the next company walked in at about 260 owner operators across the, the enterprise and ended up uh, finally at about 1950. So explosive growth and amazing way to to uh, expand your fleet if you build the right program right and and i bring that up so that way we can make sure that everyone understands that what we're talking about here even though we're not attorneys we're not you know uh telling you what to do uh but we do have experience i mean at least you have a lot of experience and you've also have achievements in this to know what you're talking about you know um so uh, I know you have a question. Yeah. So how does a lease purchase program work in trucking? What is that? How does that type of thing work? How, how does the whole program work? Yeah. How, yeah. Like, give us like okay. a quick rundown. Just barely caught the, I, I missed that little end part. Okay. Oh. It's, you know, for the, for the most part, it, it's pretty simple. I mean, there's a lot of technicalities behind it, but it's um, going to a company that has a lease purchase program, you know, reading about it, get online, look at the blogs, read some of the, you know, the testimonials about what's out there, find the, find the company and get qualified to go in, look at the equipment that they've got, read through the contracts, determine that it's something that fits what you're, what you're looking for. One, uh, one side, I always say there's the input and the output first, the money that's coming in and the availability to make money at this company. And then secondly, what's your output? You know, what is your, you're going to be your overall cost, your truck payment. It's going to be a weekly payment, your fuel cost. A lot of people forget about the fuel piece of it. Um, the insurance permits, plates, tags. I mean, you've, you've got a lot of different pieces, but typically most companies package it together where you'll see clear cut. Here's your total package price and here's your income price. And then when you put the miles together and mesh them in one, you say, okay, here's what I'm expected to make. And the guys that go out here and the guys and gals who go out here and they 
beat their own expectations or beat the expectation of miles will end up making more than what they what they budgeted for and the ones that don't won't but again this is part of owning your own business it's nothing is guaranteed but it is a, a fantastic option right right so it's basically i go to you and you give me all of these breakdowns of everything i have to pay correct and yep. that here is an estimate of also how much you're going to pay me every month based mm -hmm. on x amount of miles and the expenses do they ever change are those are those expenses ever changing because i because you said income wise it can't change because if i decided i want to run all month long i can make as much money but now there's my expenses man you're really digging into the hard questions now Sorry. Yeah. No, really. The you know, I'll, I'll kind of break it down this way. You hit a good point. The majority of everything you've got is a fixed cost. You know, the truck payment doesn't change. Your typically insurance permits, plates, tax. Your variable cost is going to be your fuel because again, fuel is going to equal miles, how many miles per week. And so again, hopefully, if you're managing your fuel well and it, it calculates out with the miles you're running, you're going to spend more, but you, in theory, should make more. Okay. And then there's also maintenance, you know, uh, you know, you got tires, hopefully that they have like an escrow account or something that where a certain amount of money goes into it. So that way, um, any kind of major repairs, you, at least you have some type of uh, money in there to pay for that. You know, tires are expensive. Tires can be anywhere from, you know, $400 to $800, depending on the situation. If you're broke down the side of the road, you know, that's if you just need one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So do One, the escrow accounts come from the, the, the company or is that a Um Yeah, let me let me hit on that because that's actually a good thing that you brought up. You know, in, in the perfect world, like I, I love to talk about kind of the, the most ideal um, lease purchase programs. And typically they're the ones that are going to have the escrow accounts for miscellaneous uh, um, issues that come and arise. A maintenance account that you can pull from at will to buy tires, oil changes, services, PMs, you know, the things that are going to be needed on a regular basis. The last thing that I'm, I'm really, uh, I'm kind of a stickler on, again, everybody has their own opinion. And again, David McBride's opinion only matters to David McBride. But I look at uh, programs with either a balloon payment or a non-balloon payment. And this has always been kind of a stickler to me because this is something that anybody that walks into this should know. That if I'm paying for this truck, I mean, again, I could be paying five to seven hundred, seven hundred fifty dollars a week for this truck for the next four years. At the end of the four years, is there a balloon payment? And the balloon payment for anybody that doesn't know means you paid the lease portion, but now you have this additional balloon or large payment at the end in order for that truck to become yours. If there's a balloon payment, it means that you could potentially never own this truck. So if your your future is in truck ownership, then look specifically for a uh, non-blue payment program. So it means that you will pay for this truck every week for whatever term that the, the truck is, is financed for. And at the last payment, that truck is yours. The title transfers to your name. So That's absolutely a good point because I have seen that where I've seen a lot of people uh, that I, I mean, the drivers I've talked to where they got out of this because they paid all this money and then they got hit because they didn't read all the fine print. They got hit $30,000 or, or more that they have to pay in order for this truck to be there. So they end up in this never ending loop where, yeah, they're making good money, but at the end of the day, they never own it. 
an actual right. truck. And I've seen drivers where, you know, yeah, the truck wasn't a brand new truck. Mm -hmm. It was a used truck, you yeah. know, it was, you know, decent truck, but it got the job done. And at the end, it was theirs. And then they built companies where they mm -hmm. kept leasing and kept doing it and adding drivers to, and they've built into small companies because of that kind of program. No, and it's and it's awesome. And just the flip side, just to play devil's advocate, I've also met plenty of guys and gals throughout my career that said, "That's fine. I never want to own it. I want yeah. it under warranty. I'd rather give it back and just start over." Kind of like leasing a car versus buying a car. You know, Absolutely. you lease it. There's a lot of things. There are some benefits and tax benefits on that side versus ownership that you only depreciate for so long. But it's really about deciding which one is is the best option. Yeah, homework. That, that's 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 and, and what we've done is kind of gone over some pros and cons here to lease purchase. Uh, other than these things that we talked about, what other things should drivers look for that you think is a is something that isn't really talked about or or, or known to a, to someone that's never known about this? Okay. Um, again, since your second largest expense, or in, in actually in, in a lot of cases your largest expense in getting into this is going to be fuel. So one one thing that uh, that I, I used to teach a lot of courses on every single week. And Sean, I, I think you remember sitting through one of my courses. The most important thing you're going to learn other than being a, a, a business owner is secondly, how to manage your fuel. You know, I used to have this, uh, uh, what is it? This, this saying that would say full pockets, empty tanks or full tanks, empty pockets. Meaning it's not like owning a car. It's, it's going and you're putting in the fuel that you need to run each individual trip versus constantly putting you know eleven hundred dollars twelve hundred dollars in your tank even if you if you only have a couple short runs because a lot of your your check for that week for your settlement is going to be sitting in potential money for next week but it's not going to help you this week so fuel management is absolutely the thing that i would highly almost well i would insist on for anybody considering to do it is get that knowledge get somebody that has done this for a long time let them break it down for you so you understand the true math behind it. Because again, to, to your point a moment ago, that is your variable cost. And that can be a huge variable cost that's make it or break it. And you could be three, four weeks into it, not really making that much money just because it's all in your tank. If, yeah. if you're managing it well, then it's in your, it's in, like I said, it's in your wallet. And now don't uh, certain states and the certain costs and certain taxes <laughs> and certain pricing, doesn't that all factor in as well? Absolutely. Because think about it. If you buy a, a gallon of diesel in, say, Cartersville, Georgia, versus a gallon of diesel in Southern California. I can already tell you which one's going to be more expensive. So even managing your routes, the areas that you run, how you fuel going from state to state, sometimes it's worth it for the fuel tax implication that comes in for movement from state to state, just to offset a $2 per gallon uh, paying. So, yeah, absolutely. That's, that's going to be part of your equation. It's a lot more than just, oh, I pay this payment and I'm going to be my own boss. <laughs> like with anything, knowing the ins and outs and the angles to work and being smart, working smarter, not harder, is is definitely the key to this, I, I from what I see. Well, you know, there's a like our students probably cannot do this right now. I mean, that whole, I had no idea South Carolina would be more expensive. No, 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 South uh, California. Said oh, South Carolina. Yeah, California. <laughs> <laughs> California, why would that be more expensive? I thought that would be cheaper. Yeah, when I was because running. Um, Texas is 
I don't know. Yeah, when I was running uh, uh, maintenance and safety and operations for a trucking company, which before I had another school, um, one thing that I was the the owner had me do was was sit down and make this spreadsheet for all the drivers to have in their in their you know on them of where the the key areas they should fill up their truck if they're ever in before they went into other areas. So fill up in these areas, these are the best areas because the cost per mile would save astronomically across the entire fleet to where it was worth it to fill up in these areas versus other like right across the border on one area he would save in that truck 100 to 200 dollars right off the bat if you just filled up 10 miles what is as your that's your largest expense and if you're in a, again as a small business owner you know you can't uh, you can't take that for granted i mean you could have a three four hundred dollar five hundred dollar swing on a, any given week by just fueling practices so as a small business owner a three four five hundred dollar swing per week times 52 weeks you can imagine that's that's taking a huge chunk you know the the other the other part of that you know kind of going back to the business ownership you you said it just a minute ago i mean a guy that wants to get in and say i'm i'm the owner there's more to it than just being the owner and i used to tell used to tell classes it's kind of like me going and open my own sandwich shop and telling everybody i'm the owner you know i started i'm the founder i'm the owner i'm the ceo the president and everything else but if i only open my sandwich shop between 3 and 4 p.m every day and i'm only open for an hour i'm going to be pretty unsuccessful as a business owner. So I can call myself that, but being that is two different things. Yeah. That was good. Knowing your competition and all the different things that like in that scenario, uh, what, what sandwiches sell better, like how to maximize the ingredients and where to buy them. All of those things may factor into that situation. There's so much behind the scenes and the same goes with owning your own truck. And so, at, like you said, bringing a mentor and asking people, getting on forums, educating yourself, taking courses. That's that's definitely recommended. I, I feel mm -hmm. for us before yeah. you decide to do something like this. But it is a good option out there. It is yeah. something you got to make sure that you're able to do a wholeheartedly and not be lazy. Completely mm -hmm. agree. So now, whether it's owning. Um, being an owner operator, new experience, you have been behind the scenes on hiring these drivers, right? And so when training your recruiters to hire those drivers, what guidelines or advice you kind of teach your staff to hire? It's an amazing question. Completely different, uh, different genre from company drivers. You know, it's a uh, Completely different skill set, different language, different uh, breakdown. You know, as a company driver, you're going to say you're going to make X number of cents per mile times X number of miles. This is the price or this is the year range of the equipment. And this is where we travel to. In the owner operator lease purchase world, now you're you're scaling up recruiters to not only teach them about how this all fits together, but also about the feeling, the expectation of a business owner, how many miles per week and be cautious of questions like so I can turn down all the loads I want. And, and say, well, let me explain to you why you don't necessarily want to do that. So it's, it's almost being like a micronized business coach on the front end to make them realize the hard reality of this is not as easy as just I'm the owner. This is I've got to go and I've got to work. I've got to have the knowledge and the expectation of what I'm going to make versus what I, I could make or what I might make. 
So yeah, a lot, a lot different. And the recruiters that do it, that uh, that do it well, really, you know, have learned pretty quickly that it's a it's a much simpler sale than in a lot of ways than a company driver. Do you guys still look at MBRs, background checks? Do you guys still go through that whole process? And um, is it always also, once again, based on insurance and all of that as well? One, 100%. Because, again, even though they're their own independent business owners, they're going to be running under the company's DOT tags and insurance. So the DOT is still going to require a DOT file and qualifications that set by the company and insurance companies. So, yeah, absolutely. Good question. Now, you know, taking a, a sidestep away from the owner operator side of these punches. Now let's go to, you know, that same question now with your like your current company and the last company you did at. How, how do you teach your recruiting staff on hiring drivers? What kind of guidelines, advice, what kind of, you know, what culture do you create with your recruiters? Um, love your job. You know, my 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 golden rule with any any person that comes on board with me and, and a lot of them that have been with me for a lot of years, um, actually most of them have been with me for a lot of years, will tell you that uh, they've heard this a million times. I've got two two golden rules. First one, I want you to love your job and I want you to make more money than you've ever made. Number two, I want to break every hiring record this company has ever seen. But we're not going to get number two accomplished if we don't get number one accomplished. So luckily, I've been able to accomplish both of those with just about every recruiter I've ever had and definitely broken every hiring record with the companies that I've been with. So I'm, I'm very proud of that. Not boastful, but proud because it's a team effort to do it. And I'm proud of my team. Yeah. Yeah. You've, you've had a lot of great recruiters, uh, you know, that uh, you have had over the years and that are still with you that I've had the pleasure of working with as well. So you the know, best I, the best recruiters. Best in the industry. And I love every one of them. Yeah. So, so when you're teaching them and training them, and and they've they've learned this over the years, what traits or qualities and drivers set them apart from the rest of the drivers that follow? You know that you know I do my little application and send it to you, and you get all these. What are the traits or qualities that you're specifically looking for that set someone above the other ones? As we educate the drivers out here that are watching this. You're, you're saying to, to educate the recruiter? No, no. To educate all the drivers watching this video, um, what do you train your recruiters on looking for on drivers that set drivers apart? Like what should they worry about doing for themselves or putting on their application or making sure they keep this clean or take care of this or, hey, I should not be job hopping, you know? Oh, what okay. I've got you now. You'll have to, you have to edit my blunder out. The, no, fine. no, looking at uh, looking at recruiters and qualifications of what uh, we're looking for in a in a solid candidate in every company I've been with, you're you know first you're you're going to look at the background, kind of see what uh, what kind of person this is. Again, doesn't mean that necessarily if there's some blip in your background that you're not going to be qualifiable. It just means that you you don't want to come across as being maybe a repeat offender of certain items that could be unsafe actions in the in the general public you know as uh, uh, has to look and, and be cautious we lost you there it kind of froze oh. on us uh, uh yeah so um Damn it. what i was saying was so good i know i know it's okay no worries like oh no <laughs> 
<laughs> and then, so coming back with what I was saying, it was amazing a moment ago. The the thing that uh, that you're looking for, literally going after the drivers in the marketplace, is looking after the guys that have good driving records, that have good uh, you know background uh, histories, things like jumping jobs. You know, again, sometimes it happens. You know, I've always said. You, you can't blame somebody until they had a good job and then left it, because that means that maybe it wasn't the company, maybe it was them. So be cautious, don't don't overdo it. You know, I, I can definitely say that there's a few companies out there that if they went there and stayed for two months and left, I would have said, I'm amazed you made it two months. But there's a lot of amazing companies out there, some top tier one companies that I really question why would this guy go to two or three of them or why would this gal go to two or three of them and still not stay for more than a month or two, knowing that if, if I bring them on or my recruiter brings them on, they probably won't be here 30 or 60 days. So yeah, that's, that's a great point. The, the qualification, even outside of the background, just character behavior of the men and women out here. Yeah, that's really good. Now, do you feel it's a great time to be a driver? and get into this industry? This is the greatest time in world history to step into a truck and get your CDL because there's never been a time where the need has been so intense. I mean, think think about what we saw during uh, the first uh, initial lapse uh, or wave of, of COVID in 2020. You know, we saw people holding up signs saying, love, love our truckers, love truck drivers, bumper stickers with I heart trucks. Right now, you are going to be one of the most sought after human beings in the workforce that have the ability to make six figures by putting your, your mind and effort and drive behind what you're doing. Somebody that is even remotely considering making this, this leap into this side of the industry, you know, again, my opinion is only as important as somebody that's listening is right now is absolutely the time. You know, there are a lot of people that have kind of been underpaid and under um, underserved in uh, in this country that have just accepted the basic minimum. They've kind of given up and said, you know what, I guess this is as good as it gets. And right now with the bloodthirst for CDL drivers across the country right now, this is the time because the pay has never been higher in especially the 26 years that I've been doing this. And it is continuing to rise what we've been seeing uh, from a lot of data reporting almost quarterly. So yeah, yeah. This, yeah, is, right. this is a good time. It's still going. I, I, I mean, if you take a look back, you know, 10 years ago, the pay 10 years ago was the same. The pay had been 10 a decade before that, you know, it really had changed. But if you then fast forward to now, in the last three years, the pay's increased more than it has, I think, in the last two decades. Yeah. You know, exponentially, like the, the growth of it. But you can't, you can't pick up uh, any transportation uh, media or, uh, um, publication that doesn't have at least two or three or four articles that says company XYZ just announced the highest pay hike in the company's history, you know, in 77 years or the biggest pay hike in the last 10 years. So right now is, is the time, you know, I say when, when there's opportunity and the money is there again, this is, this is a career that is absolutely amazing. And most of the men and women out here that are in it will tell you that, it is it is one hundred percent addictive. Once once you get into it, you get stuck in it. So, but buyer beware. You come to the side of the fence, you're you're going to be a trucker for life. 
Uh, absolutely. I mean, you've been a big, a big advocate in your uh, articles that you write about uh, bringing sexy back to trucking. Uh, <laughs> bring, bring sexy back to trucking. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, you know, that, that that's a lot of the old outlook, uh, so to speak, of trucking has been done away with, especially with the technology nowadays, the, the improv the provisions and trucks that have changed the outlook of drivers it, it it is more than ever the time to be one because you're you're valuable now it, it wasn't as valuable in the outlook of mm -hmm. the, the culture you know back in the day it was it was something different you know than it is now we're, we're on the rebound yeah yeah i think it's we're definitely there's a lot of more ability to kind of show what truckers really do and truck driving does, right? They're really that backbone and we didn't realize that until now when everybody's like we've said about all of our other podcasts, um, until you're missing the meat, you know, or you're missing toilet paper. Now you're sitting here like, wait, what yeah. and then now they're realizing well of a truck driver wasn't on the road you know so it's really really exciting now what is your outlook on the industry today uh the the outlook today is uh, the same that i'll say in in some ways uh looks like the outlook of the last 10 years it's continuing to grow it's continuing to get more robust the the driver market continues to get tight and so the, the supply and demand is obviously typically equates into money at the end of the day. So somebody that's, that's coming into this, you know, today there are so many more options than what there were, you know, even five or 10 years ago. You know, you remember, Sean, when, when you first got in, uh, there was a lot of guys who would say, hey, how can I get a local job? And they're like, just put 10 years in. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I remember when I had to do it, I had to put, I mean, Lord, I was over the road for two, three years before I could actually find a local job yeah. that could either be home on the weekends, at least minimally, you know, uh, and then nowadays I got, I got students that leave here, go straight to uh, some companies that, you know, they're home every night yep. and it's wow. And, and you, and you also, the opportunities for women nowadays in the industry yep. is astronomically so awesome. awesome. Oh, and so you know, and the, women in trucking right now. Yep. Women in trucking organization has done an amazing job getting that out in front of the, the rest of the industry saying, yes, this is important. Yes. We, we have plenty of people that look just like you that are out here making an incredible living. Um, so to the, to the outlook, uh, kind of looking forward again. The money's there, opportunities there. I think that the one thing that uh, that a lot of people haven't seen yet is the the way that they're restructuring a lot of a lot of companies restructuring their their over the road plans to where instead of doing cross country moves, you know, twenty two hundred miles, we're starting to see more average length of haul around four fifty to five hundred miles. So meaning that you're not having to go out as as long or as far as you used to, and then of course. From you know March of 2020 to current in the United States, there has been 1.6, I think it's 1.6 or 1.5 million uh, local driving jobs that have been added right here in our backyard. So it means that there is a ton of opportunity out even on the local market for somebody to come in, get a CDL, and go immediately local and and home daily. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we see it every day. You know. Obviously, you do love what you do. Uh, so tell us, you know, <laughs> why do you love what you do? And 
what do you like about your current position? I mean, now, now let's talk about, you know, you at this moment, what you're doing and, and uh, um, how it's like. You, you know, it, it's funny when years, I was probably seven or eight and I asked my, my grandmother, I said, grandmother, how, what do I need to do to be successful? And she said, well, it depends. And I said, well, doesn't really depend to me. Just how do I become successful? She said, first, you have to love what you do. And you know what? I, I didn't understand that for a lot of years until I found out that I, I did love what I do. What I love was being firsthand with the, a lot of men and women that were literally either one transitioning into the industry or transitioning to a new company where I was there to say, hi, I'm David McBride and shake their hand, look them in the face, walk them through the platform. And that, that eye opening moment when they say that makes perfect sense, you know, and to do that, uh, I'd say roughly in, in my career in the 29 to 32,000 men and women that uh, I've, I've had at least some ounce of fingertip on the, on the employment model, bringing them on board. And to know that uh, you can do something like that to change, uh, to make a change in somebody's life, that's what I love. The, the love of that, of bringing it back to, to, to me, of course, obviously, because of that, I do love what I do. And when you love what you do, it becomes infectious to other people that want to love what they do. Again, coming, coming back to first golden rule, I want you to love what you do. When you've got a, a staff that in, in a bunch of people that uh, they work with you, and again, they work with me, that uh, love what they do, it means that anything's possible. And kind of like what we were talking about earlier, the, the breaking the hiring records, you know, taking the company from 8,900 hires to 13,000 hires in a, in a single year or, you know, 150 a, a month to 550 a month. You know, those are the things that, you know, I, I used to, if somebody had told me, this is what we wanted to accomplish. I would have said, that's, that's absolutely crazy. There's no way. Now, having seen it done time after time after time, I look at it and I say, anything is possible. You know, if you if you're put your heart and your mind behind what it is that you do and you love doing it, anything is possible. Absolutely. Well, um, right here, right now, what we'll, we'll say is, uh, uh, pause real quick, and we'll say, uh, well, thank you. Uh, obviously, stay on. I don't want you to end but um, um, all right. Well, thank you, David, for coming on. We appreciate you answering all these questions. Uh, you know, uh, as always, a pleasure talking to you. And so, thank you for coming on to just truck it. Have a great day. All right. Thank you guys for having me. Thanks. Man, that was a good episode. Wow. I really like it when I when we get to talking about some of this stuff. We could talk about this for hours. So, comment. So you can tell us what you want to know, what kind of questions you have, more things that you want to know about. So some of the guest speakers that we've had on can answer those. I can answer them. Any future speakers can answer them. So get involved, like, subscribe, share, comment. You know the game. Another episode, Just Truck It, in the books. Stay tuned for the next one. Have a good day.